sit back, relax, you got nothing to lose. What do you think I'm about to show you? The feeling of the species is more deadly than a male. Only a movie, you can say it again. Just wait till you see what I did at the end. The female of the species is more deadly than a male. The female of the species is more deadly. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the More Deadly Podcast, where we review horror movies directed exclusively by women-identified directors, which prove that the female of the species is more deadly than the male. More Deadly is a trans-inclusive podcast. We celebrate the work of cis and trans women, as well as non-binary filmmakers who are comfortable being included in a space that centers the work of women. I'm your co-host, Rachel, and joining me back, back, back again after a planned but much needed break miss ariel hi hey girl i've missed you so much i know i missed you too it's been I know way I too long said it before we started recording but when i don't talk to you at least to, like every other week i go into ariel with girls <laughs> i feel it, that way too it feels oh, weird not to talk to you regularly yes and then what, what happens is <laughs> we uh, you i force you to talk to me for like 45 minutes before we even start recording <laughs> force me <laughs> and you must be like oh my god can this one just be a quick in and out nope rachel has needs she needs to talk about everything <laughs> oh my god you're hilarious it's true i love our chats okay (laughs) well that's good because if you weren't i was not reading the room (laughs) well we have a very exciting episode today we are going to be talking about a movie that i have been dying to talk about ever since we first talked about it months and months and months ago as part of a background on a director yep which is Watcher, directed by one Chloe Akuno. Before we get into that, we have a little mystery to solve. We do. Uh, oh, yeah. shit. <laughs> <laughs> so for those of you who are patrons <laughs> and on the Discord, you know that something started today on the Discord <laughs> that I have sworn to get to the bottom and apparently top of. <laughs> Some things were bandied about, some theories were theorized, (laughs) some possible realizations were realized. (laughs) I don't know. But I accidentally opened Pandora's box. (laughs) (laughs) So, okay, that's enough. Let's let's get into it. For those people who are not on the Discord, what what happened today? Okay, so (laughs) I took my dog for a walk earlier today. That was your first mistake. I know, right? I left my apartment. That was the mistake. (laughs) And after said walk, I posted a picture on our Discord of something I took a picture of while I was walking my dog. And (laughs) just as like a teaser, you know, for people who were on our Discord, who are patrons, like, this is what Rachel and I are going to be talking about today. (laughs) Because I posted a picture of a shirt and a bra that I had come across 
in the middle of the lawn in my apartment complex while I was walking my dog. So I posted that picture. I was like, I'm going to tell Rachel this story when we record tonight. And that just opened the floodgates for people to (laughs) start teasing me and coming up with wild theories about me. Wild theories or uh, realizations realized. (laughs) (laughs) So it started off, we were just like, wow, what is going on in your neighborhood? There's something in the air that people just strip down as soon as they hit the outdoors. Oh, just wait till I tell you the full story. Yeah. Oh, there's more story. Oh, to there's this? more story. Oh, okay, okay, okay. That was okay. the teaser. <laughs> all right. So, uh, very briefly, basically, we all came to the conclusion that Ariel has secretly been my opposite this whole time. Like, <laughs> in order for nature to have balance, like you have matter and antimatter, right? This uh-huh. is physics. Like the <laughs> physics of our friendship is, I am a never nude, and it turns out you are an always nude. <laughs> And all of these stories about your quote-unquote neighbors <laughs> have actually been cries from of help because they're about you. <laughs> oh, my God. It's so hilarious. <laughs> all if right. Only, if only you no, knew how modest I really was. <laughs> I think that's been disproven on the Discord today. <laughs> You are apparently the president, vice president, treasurer, and uh, secretary of the Aloha, Oregon uh, nude club chapter. (laughs) I think I set myself up for failure because there was a bonus episode where I did admit to being caught nude one time in the woods. Mm. So, but that's like the only time that's happened. (laughs) (laughs) That you got caught, I know. And then we figured out that your family motto is what did it what would it was it <laughs> Semper naked <laughs> fucking Sarah I know. <laughs> so this is the fun you miss out you miss out on the visual aids if you are not uh, in the Discord we have a lot of patrons who are for whatever reason not have not joined the Discord oh Girl, yeah boy they them all of the above where are you get in get the Discord on. it's hopping. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's hear. Okay, you know how like people who have experienced alien intervention or visitation often discuss owls, and those are uh, theorized to be screen memories. Let's hear your screen memory of of covering up of your your Wait, naked so run you- today. <laughs> Are you implying that this is all made up, what I'm about to tell you? <laughs> I mean, I, I believe you believe it. <laughs> I have no doubt that you believe it. <laughs> it's all just in my head, huh? <laughs> yes. Basically, if we had camera footage, we would find out that you were like fully Tyler Durdening, except for naked. <laughs> Only with nudity. <laughs> Oh my god, my mind has split in two, huh? Yes! I mean, it's been a rough few years. (laughs) (laughs) So you have like a... Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Hold on. Oh no. It's all coming together. The haunting, the watching of the wrestling, the leaving you drinks and food. And like, you want pizza, you want alcoholic beverages, (laughs) and they're just appearing. I'm doing it to myself. Yes! You're like naked Tyler Durdening yourself. (laughs) You're Pizza Ghost! (laughs) I still want to know why I wouldn't have bought myself a whole damn pizza. 
Because also, you know, like even I'm Naked Tyler Durden's, yeah, thrifty <laughs> and also just, you know, wants to keep an eye on your health. It's he, Tyler <laughs> Durden is a big picture. Yeah, uh-huh. they're, he, he's, you, use big picture. <laughs> oh my God. The other you is big picture, okay? <laughs> okay. All right. All right. I feel so like tell- you're having to stretch pretty far to get there, but. Am I though? <laughs> I'm not that flexible. <laughs> I can touch my toes, but that's about it. Um, no, I don't think that's a stretch. I think it actually makes everything make sense. Well, I don't like that. <laughs> You're the dude in the wall. <laughs> the wall, but the oh wall God. is in your mind. <laughs> I feel like this is almost more upsetting than thinking there's a dude in my wall. <laughs> <laughs> okay. No, but seriously, tell me the story. I want to hear the story. All right. So just for context, I live in a big apartment complex that has like 12 big buildings. Each one has like 10 apartments. So there's a lot of people around all the time. And in between all of the buildings are grassy, like big grassy areas where kids play and people walk their dogs. Okay. I was walking towards one of those grassy areas up this little walkway. And beside me on the grass, I noticed a bra and a shirt. And I was like, oh, that's probably just somebody dropped it on their way to the laundry room. Didn't think anything of it, right? Yeah. I kept walking, <laughs> turned the oh, corner no. to walk my dog into this grassy area when, bam, there was a couple. <laughs> <laughs> what is going just on? Nude sunbathing. But, like, you know how sometimes women, especially, will do that and you'll like lie on your stomach? Yeah. With underwear or like the bottom half of a bathing suit still on? Yeah. So that nothing's showing? No, no, no. No, they were on their back, and it was a man and a woman. <laughs> yeah. And they were not wearing a stitch of clothing. Oh, jeez. Not a stitch. <laughs> oh, jeez. You did not consent to see that much. No, I did not. Swaddle and groinal region. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So as I turn the corner, I'm just like, I stop because I see this and go to, like, turn around. And the woman sits up, and she's like, oh, we didn't think anybody would come back here. But literally... Then why did you leave the Hansel and Gretel breadcrumb trail of clothes here? <laughs> okay, so it's that a trap. also doesn't make sense, right? It's a trap. Yes, right? And also, people are back there all the time. There's, like, nowhere in this complex where you can be alone, okay? <laughs> there's nowhere. And there's also a swimming pool and a playground that are not too far away from where they oh, were no. sunbathing. So I don't know what they thought they were doing, but I was just like, oh... That's that's okay. And then took my dog and walked away. This is like that meme of like, we saw you from across the room and really like your vibe, but the nudist sunbather edition. <laughs> These people have an agenda. They're not lacking in vitamin D, okay? This is not about catching some sweet rays. It is about catching some sweet three-way. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, I kind of feel like everybody in the Pacific Northwest, Northwest is lacking some vitamin D, but I take your point. Yes. <laughs> okay, fair, fine. Use geography <laughs> against me. <laughs> but i just i just don't i mean you can literally leave my apartment at two o'clock in the morning and there are still people around so i i just don't understand unless it was your first day what you thought you were doing but see now you'll know if you see the like hansel and gravel trail there again i'm gonna avoid that corner of the complex from now on okay but uh, were they attractive 
Um, she was. She was, but no. <laughs> no. Okay. Okay. I I have now have this. I don't know. I watched an episode of that Seeking Sister Wife, and there was one in Portland, and now I'm like, I think you need a. I feel like you need a sister wife situation. Okay, is that why you sent me that message in like, yeah. late at night one time? Yes, <laughs> which you never responded to. And then I got paranoid that maybe you already knew them through like no other people. If you know what I'm saying, <laughs> you know what I'm. Specifically... I, know what I know what you're saying. Okay, okay, um, but no, 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 no. Because, and I did like, respond. I was like, "Are you really trying to make me a sister wife?" <laughs> well, he- hear me out. Okay, <laughs> think about how amazing it would be for you to like do half the labor that you're doing now. I mean, yes, that would be amazing. This is not a religious choice with the couple that I sent you. This is like a okay. lifestyle choice. Like, I'm not trying to sign you up for a cult unless it's that crumble cookie cult. <laughs> but I was just thinking, like, if anybody deserves to have somebody do half the labor, it's Ariel. And Aww. I could I could just, I was like, you need a sister wife. Like, you need not just a partner, but you need a partner and another partner. <laughs> I could see you thriving in a thruple. Really? Yes. You're so emotionally mature and very tapped into caring for other people and being extremely selfless. And I could just see you being like an excellent throuple member. Interesting. This is and something I, think, I had never considered. <laughs> I think you should consider. You would be great in a throuple. You were born to throuple. <laughs> It was so weird. <laughs> <laughs> this is what happens when you don't talk to you for two weeks. I have a lot of thoughts that I need to process. <laughs> oh my god. What do you think? Are you in? Should we find you a thruple? I mean, I guess in theory that would be interesting to not have to do as much work. I'm totally down for that. But what if it was the opposite that happened? Well, then we get you out. We would get you out of that thruple. But see, I vetted this thruple because I watched an episode (laughs) of a television series they were on. So I feel like I know what I'm talking about. (laughs) It had never occurred to me until we like until that moment, (laughs) that light bulb moment. Then I was like, Uh "She's born to thruple. That's what she needs. (laughs) She needs two partners." You know, I have been single for so long. I feel like that's throwing me into the deep end. You know, I think. You know, it's also making up for lost time. It's called uh-huh. multitasking. Multitasking. <laughs> you can be like, I've been in two relationships. Simultaneously. That is a 200% improvement. <laughs> you also then got to find two people that you like. and that don't. I found them for you on my TV. Oh, wait, you're serious on the TV? <laughs> I mean, I'm not not serious. Slide into the DMs. See what happens. Oh, my God. You're welcome. You're unhinged. I mean, that is true. (laughs) But seriously, listeners, come on. You've been listening to Ariel and I for a while. Hopefully, you're listening to the other shows on the... And if so, you've known Ariel for over a decade, Okay. Wouldn't she be great in a thruple? <laughs> Doesn't she deserve multiple partners? I think so. I think your heart is big enough. Are we be... really soliciting opinions from our listeners about whether I should be in a thruple? 
Is that I mean, what's happening it, today? Would it sway you? Because if so, then we definitely are. <laughs> uh. All right, whatever. I tried. <laughs> <laughs> we can't record this late at night. I get weird. I... <laughs> Usually we're yeah, recording four hours earlier than we are right now. Yes. And, and something happens in my brain. Like <laughs> the just absolute rice paper of a filter that i have already over my <laughs> mouth disintegrates. is gone yeah. Yeah. <laughs> by like 7 30 it's a wrap <laughs> <laughs> all right well let me tell you a little bit about the director chloe akuno as well as some background about the film and then we will get into our thoughts but before we do that ariel what is the spoiler policy here on more deadly our spoiler policy is that Rachel's going to tell you, like she said, about the director and the making of the movie. And then we're going to give you our non-spoiler thoughts of the movie, kind of give you a general idea of whether it's worth checking out or worth your time. And then we're going to get into the spoiler zone. And Ooh, everything's up for grabs. Yeah. We're going to talk about all the twists and turns and the ending of this one. And I think this is a movie that can be spoiled for oh, you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So my personal recommendation would be to pause here and go watch the movie and come on back if you haven't seen it already. And it's available, I think, on most VOD platforms for rental right now. Yes, ma'am. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. All right. So, Chloe Akuno, if her name sounds familiar, it's because we have already talked about one of her films before. She is an American writer and director from Los Angeles, California. Growing up, she always pretty much knew she wanted to be a director. When she thought about doing other careers, nothing else spoke to her and excited her the way directing did. She was inspired by directors like David Fincher, the Coens, Quentin Tarantino, Sofia Coppola, and a few other people, including Ridley Scott. And she did a summer directing course where she made little movies with a small crew and a 16 millimeter camera and completely completely fell in love with filmmaking and that was it for her she graduated from uc berkeley so oh nice she is a super smarty pants if you couldn't already tell from her films but whatever yeah. after which she attended afi's conservatory's directing program where she made her award-winning horror short slut for which she received the prestigious franklin j schaffner fellow award she it also did the festival circuit and on that festival circuit it won the scully for best shooting short from the Screen Fest Festival in 2014. It also won the jury prize for best short film at the Las Vegas International Film Festival. Damn. Yeah. After Slut, she made another short film called The Dot Coms, which we'll be talking about later. Yes. And of course, she introduced the world to our true Lord and Savior, Ratma. Hail, Hail Ratma! Ratma. <laughs> <laughs> in her segment, Storm Drain from VHS 94. Literally the best part of that movie. I mean, mwah, chef's kiss. If you want to hear our thoughts more in depth about that, as well as our interview with Chloe and fellow director Jennifer Reeder, check out our More Deadly Director's Cut episode with the two of them. In addition to directing, she's also a writer. And this is a little confusing because I believe it's like an uncredited thing. Okay. She was tapped to rewrite and at one point was signed on to direct the film Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. Oh, okay. Right. Which is coming yeah. I think, next month, directed by Helena Rain, which we will definitely be covering. It's confusing because, like I said, she's not credited on IMDb, but I did read articles about it. And I was like, oh, maybe this is something that 
she did and then was, you know, left the project and it moved on, whatever that kind of thing happens. But then I read an interview with her at the time in the lead up to South by Southwest where Watcher was playing and so was Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. And they talked about two films that she worked on being there. So she did actually write it. Or Did she write the, the whole thing or do you think she maybe wrote a percentage of it? Because you know think, you have to yeah. get like 40% before you get your name on the Yeah, whatever. I guess maybe that's the maybe, maybe that's the situation. I don't know. But the point is when asked about the question, she didn't correct them. She talked about how oh, she was so excited to see it for the first time with an audience. Well, that's really cool then because that makes me look yeah. forward to it even more to know that she had a hand in writing the script. From what I understand, it's excellent. Oh, really? Yeah. So, oh, like, the people awesome. I know who have been to screenings of it are, like, in love with it. Oh, my God. That's so exciting. There have been so many good women-directed horror movies already this year, but yep. I've been looking forward to that one. So, it's really awesome to know that it's going to be good. And it doesn't hurt that Chloe Acuna was uh, no, involved. It does not. <laughs> Let's be honest. <laughs> Let's be honest. So, yeah. So, that's interesting. She has definitely been making a name for herself in recent years in genre filmmaking. In an interview with Screen Daily, she explained what draws her specifically to doing genre films. She said, it's a way of talking about serious things that are important to me, but doing it in a fun, mischievous manner that allows people to feel what we're trying to say without feeling like they're being lectured to, which I think is yep, definitely the key. a key part of yeah. watching. I also like the mischievous part. That's mm-hmm. fun. Yeah. yeah, She's funny. I mean, we yeah. talked to her. She's funny. <laughs> she is. Personally, I grew up loving filmmakers who mostly work in genre. People like David Fincher, the Coen brothers, John Carpenter, and Roman Polanski. I was always drawn to these to these kinds of movies, particularly because I'm a very anxious person. So watching movies where you sort of are delving straight into the heart of my own personal fears and anxieties is weirdly therapeutic. You're watching the movie unfold in a way that is kind of controlled and giving you a chance to con- confront your fears. Oh, 100% agree. Yeah. 100% agree. And her next movie is going to be a genre film as well. She's working on a film that's either called The Dating Game or Rodney and Cheryl, unclear which yes. it is. Yes. I'm so looking forward to this. I bet. <laughs> I bet. Again, IMDb is unclear on this point. So, I mean, I don't know what to say, IMDb. I don't know. <laughs> but it is about the, it's based on the true story mm-hmm. of a 1970s serial killer who was famous for being a eligible bachelor on the dating yep. game i have watched that dating game episode oh of course you i almost said have you of course you have <laughs> of course you have so so yeah so and apparently he killed dozens of women uh-huh. i don't know um, he got away and, with it for a long time they kept like putting him in jail for different stuff and he'd always get out and kill more people so jesus grim mm-hmm. um and anna kendrick is attached to play the lead of Ooh, Sher- cheryl that's bradshaw yeah, I don't know what I don't. I kind of very, very peripherally kind of know a little bit about it because I think it was like talked about on a podcast that was about another serial killer. Okay, but I I don't know what her role in this is at all. I just know kind of it was like a actually a really interesting podcast about the smiley face or happy face killer. Oh, uh huh. Where it was like his her his daughter like unpacking what it meant to. Be oh, I listened to that too. Yeah, that was a great podcast. Yeah, that was a really good podcast. I can't remember Highly what it was recommend. called, but yeah, yeah. Okay, so about Watcher. 
So the original screenplay for Watcher was written by Zach Ford. And in 2017, Chloe got was brought into the project after presenting a 20 page presentation about it. Whoa. I don't, I don't really know what exactly that means. It's what she said in an interview. So I can't give you more context than that, except for, I feel like it's very, very illustrative about how, when she does something, she does it. Yeah. And like yeah. her mind, the way her mind works together, they went through dozens of passes on the script and a lot changed along the way. For instance, the action had took place in New York originally. Whoa. That would have it, been a completely different movie. And it was originally a two-hander that followed both Julia and her husband equally. Whoa. So it I mean, really started out differently. That's crazy because the movie is so from her perspective. I can't imagine it being split between the two of them. Yeah. It's a totally different movie. Yeah. So Wild. it took several years for them to find the right financing and it finally came in the form of genre veteran Roy Lee who is a producer on It, His House, The Ring films. Wow. Yeah. Along with partner Steven Schneider who agreed to produce and finance the film along with a new deal with Image Nation Abu Dhabi. So like oh. international financing. Gotcha, gotcha. And it was actually Roy Lee who suggested making the film be solely from the perspective of Julia. I think that was a smart choice. Yeah. And, you know, she gives him all the credit for this because she said essentially once they made that change, the rest of the film just totally fell into place. They had been wow. working and working and working. And once that happened, they were like, okay, I know what this f new film is. They added new characters. They added all the fish out of water aspects because the film was actually filmed on location in Bucharest during the spring of 2021. It was a 28 day shoot. Shit, um, really? That's so little time. And it was in the midst of COVID pre-vaccine. Wow. Yeah. That sounds so hard. <laughs> it it's was. It's such a confident film. It's so well made that it's hard to believe that they did it in so little time. Yeah. Less than a month. Yeah. During crazy. the height of COVID. Nuts. So that made for some pretty tense days on set, <laughs> as you can imagine, because everybody's like afraid. Is anybody going to test positive? At the time, nobody was vaccinated. So it was the gnarliest version of COVID. And they did have some positive tests, but they were really isolated people, except for in the case of Romanian actor uh, Madalena Ania, who plays Irina. Oh, who, no. Yes. She tested positive right before they were meant to shoot. Oh, and. Geez. That meant they had to completely reshuffle the shooting order and had to push everything with her till the very, very end. And they waited until the last moment. And literally on the last day possible, she finally tested negative, came in, fucking killed it. That's incredible because she and Micah Monroe have such good chemistry mm -hmm. that it's kind of unbelievable that they had been isolated from each other until the day yep. they were shooting, basically. Yep. Completely. Yep. Crazy. So this film also reunited Chloe with her with the cinematographer Benjamin Nielsen and editor Michael Block, who Chloe met at AFI and worked with on her short slut. Oh, OK. Yes. So Watcher premiered at Sundance in 2022 and was released in limited theaters in June of 2022. And it's now, like you said, available on all the major VOD platforms. So it's easy to get your hands on it. Yeah. 
All right. So let's give my voice a break because I'm like, (laughs) and let's hear in a non-spoiler way. So still stay from spoilers what you thought of Watcher. Okay. I freaking love this movie. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like it was tailor-made for me in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. Both because of its film references and also because I feel like it was set up to creep me out. (laughs) Mm-hmm. The tension in this movie I found to be so deeply unsettling. And there are several moments that we'll talk about in the spoiler zone that like gave me goosebumps. <laughs> it was that freaked me out so much. I just I love it. I really, really love it. And I knew that I was I thought I was gonna like it, you know, because I had I had hadn't read about what it was gonna be about exactly, but I had people tell me that it was very Hitchcockian and I was like okay well a thriller that references Hitchcock I'm probably gonna like it but I really like this movie one of the things that I think works so well especially for me is that it takes all of these different film references which I don't want to say what they are yet but I'm sure we'll talk about it later and made me think that the movie was going in specific directions because of those references but then subverted my expectations and kind of kept me guessing and questioning the characters throughout the whole runtime until you know obviously we get to the end so that was really fun for me because i really like being kept on my toes and not being able to guess exactly where things are going to go i also just love how isolated this movie makes you feel I mean, mm-hmm. that's part of what's so deeply uncomfortable about it is because, like you were saying, she's in Bucharest. She's never spoken Romanian before. So all of these things are happening around her and she can't understand what's happening. And because there are no si- subtitles, we don't know what's happening either. Mm-hmm. So we really are seeing the movie and the world through her perspective and we're not understanding the same things she's not understanding. And so it makes it uncomfortable and sort of lonely and isolating in the same way that the character is feeling, which I just think is really, really smart. I love the ways in which this movie talks about voyeurism and kind of who's watching who, you know, the switch ups that happen in it are really, really interesting. And then of course, Micah Monroe is fantastic. I mean, this character doesn't have much of a backstory, but you get a real feel for who she is and what she's afraid of and her anxieties because of the way how brilliantly she's played by this actor. And of course, (laughs) Bern Gorman, which was a real surprise, but he is so good in this, too. And Mm -hmm. we got to talk about the ending eventually, but so much. I love it so much. Yeah, I'm with you. I love this movie. I've watched it a couple times now mm-hmm. because I'll just do a little plug here right now. I just recorded an episode about this same movie yesterday <laughs> with uh, our good friends over at Bloody Good Horror. So I have had 48 hours of watcherness and I am not mad at it. I've seen it a few times now. And let me tell you, it holds up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it is excellent. So, okay, there are a lot of Hitchcock old school thriller influences in this, like you said, we'll get into, but it also references my favorite era of thrillers, which is of course the late nineties, early aughts kind of sexy thriller. Yes. Um, It definitely (laughs) has some of that DNA in it. Right. Uh, But it's this wonderfully modern interpretation of the woman in peril thriller. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like what's happening with the rape revenge subgenre where women are 
making these films and taking these tropes and taking these tool sets that come with the subgenre and then giving it this totally new take on it because it shifts the gaze in a way, right? It talks about these these movies typically are kind of titillating, a little seedy. Not that I was mad at that. It's probably what I loved about it when I was a preteen. <laughs> But it takes these things and instead it interrogates what it means to be a woman living in this kind of situation. It gives you a glimpse into the female gaze of a situation like this. I don't know. It it just is this amazing kind of spin on this genre that I love in a way that I didn't even know that I needed at the time. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Also, the way that it... There is kind of this serial killer bopping around Bucharest, chopping people's heads off. And that's definitely a source of dread and fear in this. Don't get me wrong. But what this smartly does is it actually spreads some of that villainy around, right? To some degree, every man in her life is a threat. Not an active threat, but like a passive threat. And it makes everything so fraught and so tense that what you end up with, even though there is this sort of almost B-plot of the serial killer on the move, every single scene is infused with a degree of stakes and tension that would not exist in a typical woman in peril thriller. All the fear is located in the one antagonist. Whereas in this, it's like an endemic systemic kind of source of dread. I don't know. This thing is great. It, the you, you said it with Micah Monroe's incredible performance. I would also say the character of Irina is incredible. Yeah. Their She's dynamic great. is incredible. Mm-hmm. I just love this movie. Like, <laughs> yeah, me I, too. 10 out of 10 for me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I think we ought to get into spoilers because I have a million other things I want to say about this. But I... I I'm very clear when I say, absolutely, you should watch this. Yeah, 100%. And don't spoil it for yourself. Yeah. A big part of the fun is exploring this tension and and experiencing this tension, you know? So don't spoil it for yourself. Go watch it. Come back and hear our very spoilery thoughts. All right, Ariel. It is your turn. (laughs) You are going to be giving the synopsis. This is me vamping and giving people time. You're also giving me time to pull it up because I forgot that was my job today. I have it. I just forgot. We're very good at this, Ariel. (laughs) We are very good. We know what we are doing. We are consummate professionals. Thank you for vamping. I'm ready now. (laughs) Okay. I didn't know if maybe you needed some time to consider being in a throuple, and I wanted to make sure. you had that i think i'm gonna have to sleep on that one rachel for a while all right fine 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 fine. just don't miss your windows all i'm saying okay Uh, (laughs) ariel give me the synopsis for this movie all right so former actor julia moves to romania with her husband francis whose job transferred him there his mother was from romania so he speaks the language but she does not that combined with being in a new place and not working has julia feeling lonely and isolated The couple's new apartment has a huge picture window with no curtains. I'm sure Rachel mentioned that at some point. Mm -hmm. And right away, Julia starts to notice a man in the window of an apartment across from her that always seems to be watching her. Her fear is heightened when she learns that there is a serial killer in the area called the Spider who's been killing and decapitating women. 
As Julia starts to explore the city, the man who's been watching her starts appearing in the same places she's at as though he's following her. Her husband believes her at first, but soon grows weary of her complaints and begins to think it's all in her head. Julia becomes friends with her neighbor, Arena, whom she shares a wall with, but when she notices Arena has gone missing, no one will believe her. After trying to see if the man who's been following her in the city is the same one she's noticed in the window across the way by banging on his door, the police come and force her to shake the man's hand and admit it was all a mistake. Such a creepy moment. Mm-hmm. Julia and Francis attend a party for his work, but Julia storms out when she realizes that Francis has told everyone about her fears and is making a joke about it in Romanian in front of her, thinking she won't understand. On her way home, her train stops and the watcher guy sits down across from her and explains that he watches people from his apartment window because he cares for his father all day and is lonely. But as he's talking, Julia sees that the grocery bag he's carrying looks as though there is an outline of a severed head. Julia exits the train and rushes home to pack her things to leave Romania when she hears loud music coming from Irina's apartment. When she goes to investigate, she finds Irina's decapitated body and is attacked by the watcher who puts a bag over her head. When she screams for help, he slits the side of her throat and she dies on Irina's floor with the watcher lying next to her. Francis comes home to find Julia gone, and when he calls her cell, he can hear it in Arena's apartment. He walks down the hallway, and as he does, he sees the watcher come out of her apartment. And he is immediately shot twice in the chest by Julia, who managed to wake up and find Arena's gun. Yeah! <laughs> Good for her. Oh my goodness. This, this movie thankfully avoided my most hated trope. And I mean most hated trope of mm-hmm. men learn a lesson through women's right dying like i don't think i need someone to die to tell you i told you so and this what i love is it just she doesn't even say it she doesn't need to she just looks at him and you're like oh my god that is so good i was like cheering when it happened it's so good it's such a satisfying ending it's so cathartic yeah after so much tension throughout the movie and so many people not believing her it's Mm -hmm. so it's such a relief oh it's really good yeah, it really, really is. I mean, God, I can't even really organize my thoughts because I just want to scream like the 5,000 things I love about this. <laughs> <laughs> Can I share something with you? Yes. I have like three pages of notes. Whoa. I don't have a single con. <laughs> Whoa. I don't no. have any cons either. <laughs> no That's notes. I love this movie. <laughs> yeah, no, it's. I wouldn't change a thing. There are so many amazing things about this film. I think one of the smartest... You know what? I know where we need to start. We need to start with the drapes. (laughs) Do you want me to tell our audience what Eddie wrote me? (laughs) Sure. Sure. (laughs) And then I'll read you what Casey wrote me. (laughs) So for those of you who don't know, Eddie is one of our patrons. And And like family. A very, very good friend. Yes. And we speak with him daily over on our Discord. So if you want more Eddie, you should go to Discord because he's amazing. You do. So tonight he messaged me because he wanted to know what movie we were going to be talking about when Rachel and I recorded tonight. And then he put it on and started watching and immediately messaged me to say i'm drinking wine and wondering why they don't invest in curtains who doesn't have (laughs) curtains (laughs) 
<laughs> Casey wrote something similar in the pre-chat on for Bloody Good Horror. Like his first thing was, couldn't most of this movie have been avoided if she just bought curtains? <laughs> so there is some logic there. I don't sure. think that you can avoid the logic of that. I would say that there is logistical stuff that makes it so it's not just plot driven. You know, when you move into a new apartment, there are not drapes. Yeah. You know? If there aren't blinds, you just have open windows. Yes. So. But I also think there's a, for one thing, the spider is not just hunting people in the building. I don't know if having the blinds would have protected her ultimately anyway, because right. he's like somebody that's on the hunt. Right. Yeah. And she still lives in his neighborhood. He would have seen her walking around and may have targeted her anyways. You know. Right. Exactly. But moreover than that, I think it's there's like a lot of metaphor going yes. here around watching, around voyeurism, mm-hmm. but also around what happens when she gets the drapes and the way that it takes this beautiful feature of the apartment in this very dark, brutalist bummer of a city. The one thing she had was these beautiful windows yep. of all this light coming in. Now she has to close those in order to keep herself safe. It's incredibly claustrophobic. Her world has shrunk as a result of trying to make herself safe while wanting to just have like the most basic thing, which is just a freaking window in her yeah. apartment. Yeah, so, exactly. Cause it, the apartment becomes so much darker and gloomier and she is so much smaller. more isolated because of it. Right. Yeah. She can't even look at the outside world no. now. No, I totally get the criticism about that to some degree, but I think that there's so much more happening with those drapes, like the meaningfulness of those windows and those drapes. Yeah, I totally agree. Because even the very opening of our movie, right? The way that it starts, you get introduced to the characters, the scene is set, you understand who they are, and then they come into this apartment with that giant window. And as they're, you know, getting ready to have sex on the couch, the camera pulls outside of the window. And all of Mm -hmm. a sudden, we're the ones watching them. And I think it immediately tells you what kind of movie this is and what it's talking about. You know, this idea of voyeurism, like you were saying. Because we all of a sudden are the ones watching them, you know? But what I think is so – I agree 100%. And what I think is – there's like a nuance to this that I think is especially interesting, which is that even though we do the thing where we're pulling out mm-hmm. and we're watching and we become the quote-unquote watcher, I think typically that kind of scene would be played to some degree for titillation, right? Could sure. Be a little bit sexy, a little bit naughty, a little bit like we are the voyeur seeing something we're not supposed to see. But the way that it is shot instead makes you – just feel the vulnerability without the yeah. titillation yeah that's true yeah because they're think, shrouded in a lot of darkness you know and so it, you're not seeing a ton it, well yeah and it's not focusing no. on like individual body, body parts, parts. Yeah. we don't have yep. the tunnel vision or the breathing or any of these sort of t- filmmaking tools that put you in the space of the watcher that also feels a little bit like makes you empathize with the watcher or like Mm. step into the place of the watcher instead it it's in so much of this film is about seeing the world through her perspective even when you're the watcher watching her you're still empathetically inside her head and this is what i mean about taking these tools and this the toys and the toy box of this sort of like kind of exploitative subgenre from you know thriller subgenre but just tweaking it enough to make it this really interesting feminist take on it without ever robbing it of the pleasures of the subgenre yeah because you still get all of the tension (laughs) that you would yeah yeah Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
Oh, it's just so good and so smart. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's very, very smart. The decision to not use subtitles. I was like, what's wrong with my copy? Why don't uh-huh. I have subtitles? Uh-huh. And then I realized like, oh, this what is she a was doing. filmmaking yeah. choice that's happening because yes. what it does, This and this, I'm sorry, I'm going to let you talk, I swear. But <laughs> one of the things I think why it's brilliant to have her in a foreign country where she doesn't speak the language and we don't speak the language is that it allows her to remain an incredibly modern and independent woman while also making her in a situation that is vulnerable, right? Rosemary's baby, she's incredibly vulnerable, but she's also not like a woman that we can totally identify with. She's not a modern, liberated woman. Whereas Julia absolutely is, but circumstantially, she's now very much under the control and the protection or lack of protection of her male partner. But not yeah. because of any failings on her part, but because just situationally. And then right. we're right there with her because we're sharing that same degree of isolation as the, as the audience member. We also only get the information that he deigns to give mm-hmm. her. And we have the same level of mistrust. We know he's mistranslating things. Or right, like that news thing. story. You know, it's mm-hmm. obvious that he's leaving stuff out and not telling her everything. In conversations he has with people, he's only translating bits and pieces of it for her, mm-hmm. you know, intentionally leaving her in the dark. And you're right, we get to see her be independent. She's out on her own exploring the city and trying to, you know, kind of figure things out and make her way in the world. But she is dependent on him for you know, a social life at this point until she meets Irina for money because she doesn't have a job because she picked up and left for this guy and for the language barrier. And we are in that same position too. So it really puts you in her headspace and in Mm -hmm. from, you know, seeing the the whole world and the whole movie, the plot, everything from her perspective. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And you share her frustration, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You totally do. And I, I also love the way that the movie is shot in those scenes where she's out walking through the city. A lot of them are shot from down below looking up where she feels very small compared to these mm-hmm. huge, tall buildings with the many, many windows she's looking up into. So it it makes her feel insignificant in this, you know, bustling city. Yeah. Yeah. And the other thing is, is like, especially early in the film, she wears a lot of bright colors. She gets more the, the palette of her clothing mutes throughout the course of the film but when she's first there like she's unmissable a lot of of, like Mm -hmm. that beautiful red cashmere looking sweater that she has on she stands out with her bright blonde hair like she is this beautiful bright creature in this brutalist taupe world Mm -hmm. but then you watch her get smaller as she is more and more frightened and more and more isolated and that her clothing She's in nudes and grays at the end. Yeah. And even the conversation she has with her husband over the phone where, you know, she was sort of living this more independent life. And then she's calling him asking, you know, when are you going to be home? Because she's so freaked out by what's happening around her, you know? Yeah. The other thing I think this movie does really well is around the husband stuff and the way that Mm -hmm. she is. And this is something that Chloe Akunu talks about when she, about this film, is about how women are forced to moderate the way that they talk about their feelings or their fears in order to try and be believed because any hint of emotion or hysteria or anything that wouldn't be seen as totally rational will lead them to be discounted. And so we watch, I think 
Micah Monroe's performance in this as she is communicating with her partner and downplaying her own fears, even though we as the, you know, as the watchers are seeing that there's real valid reasons for her to be frightened. Yeah. Is really, is really interesting. And one of my favorite parts about this is like game recognized game, right? I know there have been times where I have to be very careful in the way that I talk about things because I don't want to be dismissed. Even when I'm having like a political conversation with someone, like it's so, if I show any emotion Mm -hmm. or get like, it's immediately like dismissed. Yep. Yes. And watching that and seeing it used not only as, someone trying to avoid a social faux pas or to be mocked or something, but you see the ways in which it's actual survival tactic is really interesting and adds so much tension to this movie. Yeah, it really does. And there there's this scene where she's talking to her husband and they're in the bedroom and he's not believing her. And, and she says, I feel like I'm going crazy, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's because Nobody will believe that this is actually happening. And she knows that there's a real threat here. But when she said that the first time I watched it, I was like, oh, no, 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 no. Don't say that. Don't say that because he's going to he could latch on to that. And then and he sure did. Right. And and so what she's trying to communicate is that everybody around me not believing it while there is this obvious threat to me is making me feel like I'm going crazy. But I was like, mm-hmm. what he's going to hear is that you're crazy and hysterical and shouldn't mm-hmm. be believed and like that it obviously we're bringing our own personal experience to that you know because that is immediately where my mind went was like oh please don't say that yeah that's just ammunition what's yeah i lo- actually really think that that arc his arc is really interesting and it's not great i don't love it i wouldn't want to be married to it but like in terms <laughs> of the, the film i think it's really right. interesting right because it's he starts off in a place mm-hmm. where he comes across as being very sympathetic very supportive yeah and what he believes you... her to the point where he suggests they go to the grocery store to look for the film you know well like i he's mean he's willing to go i think there. he's good at performing yep. It feels genuine for a minute and then you realize what's actually happening. Yeah. Right. He goes, Mm -hmm. but then when they watch the video and he sees the man, his response is maybe he's looking at the woman that's looking at him. Yeah. And then the next time when he goes to the, we call the police and he goes to the apartment, he sees that it's the same man. He's the person who is in mm-hmm. possession of the knowledge that what she's seeing, like there's actual evidence that what she's seeing is accurate. And that's when the switch fully happens. When it's no longer a situation where he can just perform his way out of it. And it's like a real potential problem. That is when you see him be like, I don't have the energy for this. Yeah. Like this, this goes beyond what I know about performing sympathy. Yeah. And being the like joking about being the big strong man. And yeah. he withholds that information. Not and not oh, because yeah. he doesn't say cool. a word. He he has and, to know it's the same guy. He has to. And well, of course. And yeah. what's interesting is he is willing to play as someone who would protect her, but mm-hmm. he, he doesn't withhold information to keep her safe. He withholds information that actually puts her in danger. Yeah, because then he doesn't have to act. He doesn't have to do anything then. Mm-hmm. He gets sick of her anxiety and her talking about this so quickly, too. It's not mm-hmm. as this has been going on for months and months and he just can't take it anymore. I mean, it's 
matters of days, right? Mm -hmm. He so quickly gets to a point where he completely dismisses her and acts like she's overreacting and that she's a burden to him. I mean, just so quickly. By that, you know, fight that they have at the work party at the end of the movie, he's done so quickly. And what's shocking about that scene, too, is that not only do they get in this fight and he is an asshole and then dismisses her and acts like she's crazy but he knows that she has this very real fear and that there also is a serial killer legitimately on the loose in this city Mm -hmm. and he lets her walk home alone at night and like ride public transportation and stuff because he's had enough or whatever like he's Mm -hmm. such a terrible person he's such a terrible person right but what what i love is though is and this film shows these levels of misogyny and chauvinism yes. and there's the accidental or like unintentional mm-hmm. and then it levels up to full on misogynist serial killer but it does a very effective way of saying the misogyny we're seeing with the husband the very subtle well-intentioned maybe bumbling initially yeah. the cop the boyfriend and then finally the killer yeah that the- all of that there is a through line a root cause that connects all of them yeah i really liked the inclusion of arena's ex-boyfriend too mm-hmm. because on the surface again he's a nice guy right she asks him for a favor even though we don't they don't know each other he goes out of his way to do that favor for her but he also is arena's ex-boyfriend and thinks that it's acceptable for him to show up randomly outside of her apartment and bang on her door and yell and scream at her Mm -hmm. he wants to be the nice guy but he's not you know yeah well i mean everybody in the everybody in the film feels validated and justified in their degree of misogyny right exactly (laughs) like they everybody thinks they're the good guy in the story except Uh for maybe the spider knows he's a bad guy and doesn't care i don't know i don't know (laughs) he and oh my god that that scene on the subway was so incredible even before the bag right Mm -hmm. just that the way that he plays with your perception of him like we know he's a bad guy but he's convincingly you could see i never believed him but i could see why she might when he goes into his sad story yes and he shows a level of humanity this vulnerability, this loneliness, this sadness that is mm-hmm. believable where you start to feel like, yeah, it would be easy to buy into what he's saying. Yeah. But then the veil slips. Oh, yeah. When he oh. wants the apology and you see how much he hates her in that mm-hmm. It's yeah. It's really, really great. I also loved the way they delayed showing his face. I love that so much. And I was very happy that they did that too because I didn't notice his name at the beginning. I, the second Me time neither. I watched it, I did. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I know that actor. And if I had seen his name, I, I think I would have known a little more <laughs> what was gonna happen it's so funny because there are a few times the, where i was like god he reminds me of that one actor but it's not him but it's not him the and then it was thing. him <laughs> <laughs> but the way that his face is you know blurred or you're just seeing a bit of his profile or a bit of his chin or whatever it's it's really smart really mm-hmm. smart because it's doing that same perspective thing where she is not seeing all of him so we aren't either right right and it, the way that i mean it's also just cleverly done 
oh conceptually so i think it's cool but also yeah. the way it's done where she's like looking a little bit and then she'll look away just as he just as yep. he's coming into focus right it's it's really it 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 draws that tension out right i've seen some criticisms about the fact that he is revealed i disagree I have yeah. no problem with him being. Oh, they wanted I, to wait until the very end or something? I didn't need that because no, I didn't what they either. did, now he's in her sphere and they had like that moment where she's forced to make physical contact with him <sighs> or when they see each other as she's going down in the elevator. Those moments, I I would not have wanted to miss out on those moments. I didn't no. need the delay in the reveal. I was ready for it to no. become sort of a little tete-a-tete at that point. And I found those moments to be so chilling and so Mm. tense. So Mm. I don't know if I've ever talked about this before, but I have this weird reaction when something really freaks me out and really gets under my skin, my eyes water. I know that sounds strange. Interesting. It only happens when something really unnerves me. And the scene where she waves to him in the window (gasps) and then she doesn't think he responds and she starts to look away. And just as she starts to look away, his hand goes up instant eye watering (laughs) i found that to be so chilling so chilling and the scene like you were talking about in the stairwell or the elevator where you're kind of seeing him where his body is darkened and you're not seeing all of him as he comes Mm up so so scary it's yeah. so creepy. And then the head in the bag thing. I mean, when Ooh. her eyes go to that and you as an audience realize what she's thinking yeah, and what is in that bag and you see the utter terror behind her eyes as she's trying to remain calm. Mm-hmm. Mm, it's so well done and it's so tense and he's right there feet away. You're seeing all of him. You know, mm-hmm. the reveal has happened, but it is still so creepy and so tension filled. Yeah, I don't think you needed to keep him hidden the whole time. No, absolutely not. But I also think you had to because this is all about who's seeing who, right? Right. And once he comes into focus, she is also the watcher, right? She is unlike a lot of these things where there's someone hidden in the, you know, hidden and watching. In this, she is watching him as much as he is watching her, especially in that scene where she sees him and she follows him through across town. She watches him eat. And then she follows him to his job at Arena's club. All of that is just like the cat and mouse of that's where it got Hitchcock-y for me. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Very much so. Yeah. Yeah. As soon as I saw this movie, I was like, oh, Ariel. (laughs) You are. (laughs) I I try not typically to tip my hand, but I was just like, I need you to get this in in your eyeballs as soon as possible. Because this is like we talk about things being made in a lab. For me, it's like The Invisible Man was like made in a lab for me, right? Right, right. This was made in a lab for you. <laughs> yeah, 100%. And I loved every second of it. Yeah. It's so great. And, and you know, that's one of the things I was talking about in the non-spoiler part is that all of these references and homages to other movies had me gripped, but also threw me off in certain ways mm-hmm. by making my expectations slightly different. I mean, the rear window of it is very obvious, yes. right? And there's yes. some... You know, and some of the things that happen in Rear Window happen here, right? She's looking and then she thinks her neighbor is dead and, you know, she turns out to be dead and blah, blah, blah. It's all, you know, she investigates. There are similarities there, but there's also a ton of differences between the two movies. And so I was thinking it was going more in that mystery direction than it ended up going, which kind of threw me off a little bit in a great way, right? Because like the outline is there, but there are a lot of differences. And same with all the 
Polanski, Rosemary's Baby repulsion kind of references mm-hmm. too, with the gaslighting, the new city, befriending a neighbor. It all got me thinking that maybe the husband was in on it in some way or mm. was intentionally gaslighting her. And then I was like, oh, but nope, that's not where it goes. No, nope, I mean, he is regular gaslighting old her, gaslighting. But, yeah. <laughs> run of the mill, everyday mundane gaslighting. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or the fact that her hair was so blonde. I was like, is this going to be a Hitchcockian, like icy blonde kind of thing? Can I mean, she totally kind be of trusted? Was. Is this going to be a yeah. North by Northwest sort of situation? But it's not, you know, that's not where this goes. I thought maybe the spider was going to be just a MacGuffin, you know, something like a catalyst mm. for the plot, but ultimately meaningless. No. Except it's not, not at all. <laughs> Even charade. I was going to ask, so charade, I was like, this feels like a purposeful choice. Yes. Uh, I think I'm it was... counting on Ariel to explain this to me. <laughs> so I think it was a very purposeful choice. Now, I'm not positive about this, but I think that why she chose it was she obviously could have just put a Hitchcock film up there or a Polanski film, right? These direct references that she's trying to make. But Charade is not directed by Hitchcock, but it does star Cary Grant, who was in a lot of Hitchcock films. So I've heard people say that it's a Hitchcock film when they're talking about this movie, but it's not. But Yeah, isn't it like the greatest... Hitchcock film Hitchcock yes. didn't direct. Isn't that the exactly. thing they say about it? Yes. Okay, 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 okay. <laughs> yes, I knew a thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because it it has all those thriller kind of caper moments and the romance, and it's very Hitchcockian. But and and so is this movie, and so I think that's why she did it. I think that it's a direct reference to this the fact that that movie was homaging Hitchcock in the same way that she is. You know, mm-hmm. but the fact that that movie was playing <laughs> made me think that maybe it was going in a different direction where I was like, well, is she having an affair or is her husband up to no good with his associates that he works with? But obviously none of that happens in the movie. But I'm That's just so saying it's interesting like... that all these these references are just red herrings is very interesting. <laughs> At least for me, you know, Uh so it got me thinking about the movie where I was like trying to make guesses about what was going to happen. And ultimately, I was wrong about a lot of it. And I think it just added to a lot of the tension, you know, Mm -hmm. in the way that I watched the movie. Yeah, because you kept thinking like, oh, I've cracked the code. Oh, no, just kidding. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right, right. And I'm not saying that this movie is so unoriginal that you couldn't understand what was, you know, or see what was going to happen when it happens. But I just think the way that she homages all these movies is really smart. Yeah, I agree. And clearly, like, a lot of thought was put into it. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think so. I think you can tell, you can you can sense her love of film in oh, this. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. And, definitely. like, her deep, deep knowledge. You know what I mean? She's got a deep bench of references to pull from. Yeah. I mean, at, so much of this movie lives and dies on Micah Monroe's performance as well. You know, there are long stretches of this movie where there is no dialogue because she is alone. So all of much of her acting has to happen without any dialogue. And what I love about her is she brings such a level of subtle psychology to her performance. Yeah, You can feel the what she is feeling in the, in the most subtle of performance things in the, way she moves her mouth or the subtle shake that she has when she's on the train, all of those things that you really can feel the layers of performance that are happening where she is absolutely presenting absolute terror while trying to suppress the visibly suppress the terror at the same time. 
It is a skill that I do not understand how people do it, but when you see it done, it's incredible. Yeah, she's really, really brilliant in this movie because you're right. All the acting, she makes so many subtle choices that tell you so much about her internal life. It's really smart. Mm -hmm. And Burn Gorman is also brilliant in this too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he's he's a great <laughs> creep. I don't know what to tell you. He's but a I killer also creep. Think he's sort of unassuming too. You know what yes. I mean? Yes. And he brings a degree of sadness. Yeah. Like even in that final scene when he's watching her quote unquote die and he's just like trying so hard to connect in that moment. It's sick, but it's also, but also like sad. He brings something else to it. Yep. There's like a little extra flavor in there that is that he brings to the performance. I mean, honestly, everybody for the most part is pretty great. The husband, you know, he he's playing a particular role. There's not a lot of nuance there. Yeah. <laughs> but especially those two and Arena, I think are just stellar in this. Yeah. I also think the cop is like a dick is pretty great too. I don't know. I there's across the yeah, board the performances natural. are very mm -hmm. good here. Oh, and when she calls her husband out when he makes her the butt of the joke with her his coworkers. Oh man. Is yeah, the pretty way, great. It's really great, especially because we get to watch her face as she's kind of putting the pieces together of what's happening. Mm -hmm. And it's just so sad because it's it's so clear all of a sudden that she realizes not only has he been talking about her and this very vulnerable stuff she's going through with these coworkers, but then he uses her to be the butt of the joke and in front of her in another language. Like it's so so the betrayal, rough. the betrayal yes. and the total lack of loyalty to her. Mm -hmm. We've seen it playing out, but it's always been in ways that are hard to quantify or hard, yeah, to, hard to pin put down. Your feet. Mm -hmm. And in that moment, he concretely is disloyal yeah. to her. And it's the combination of that and the really smart writing where it's it pays off this kind of subtle plot point early on in the film where she's secretly learning the language because she wants to surprise yep. him. Mm -hmm. That you, I mean, there's a lot of these little things that are dropped, like the gun, different little things that, yeah. that come back. And some of them are a little more obvious and more tropey than others. But this one I thought in particular landed perfectly and paid off perfectly where you're like, of course, this is the, you, you're, Brought back to this idea of knowing that she's learning the language and that he doesn't know. And it was meant to be this sweet thing where she was going to surprise him. And instead, it gave her enough power in the situation for her to be able to push back and advocate yeah. for herself. And to call him on some shit in a concrete way that couldn't let him weasel out of it. I mean, he's still weaseled, but like <laughs> yeah. not as effectively. Because that's the other thing is... I, the other really smart thing about this is the way that the spider stalks her... All the things he does, because we're witness to them, we see how sinister and mm -hmm. scary they are. But if you were to describe them, this man sat behind me in the movie theater. Right. We this were at the man, grocery store at the same time. Yeah. All of those things are very innocuous if you don't see the truth. Yeah. Or, and even the window them. stuff. He's looking at me, but you're looking at him too. Yeah. Right. So Ugh. And is that, there okay. one of you that's in the right or the wrong there? Yeah. One last point, and this reminded me of it, is that the other thing that this does is it does this really good job of showing the ways that when women are not believed, it also falls into victim blaming. Mm -hmm. That every man in her life, when she tells them this is happening, 
they all kind of make her complicit or like she's invited this. Right. Yes. Yeah. That you're she's looking... in the wrong too. You've been looking at him. Yeah. Or maybe he has a crush on you. Oh, God. All of those. And it's also why I get annoyed when people are like, she should have had blinds. She shouldn't have to have had blinds the no. first day she moved in in order to not be stalked by a serial. You should feel safe in your own apartment without blinds for a night. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, yes, absolutely. In absolutely. some, I understand the rationality of it, but there <laughs> is a part of it that is a little victim blaming. Yeah, yeah, there totally is, and and that's the thing is she really does everything right in this movie. I mean, I know that she follows him and there's this, you know, back and forth between the watch and, you know, who's the watcher, who's the watch kind of a thing. But, you know, she talks about it immediately when it creeps her out. You know, she calls the police. She gathers her evidence. She tells a friend. But none of it matters because no one will believe her. Right. Yep. It doesn't matter how in the right she is and how well she's handled things. It just doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because no, yeah, it, no matter what you do, yeah. like you have to be the perfect victim mm-hmm. and you have to be believed. And in order to do that, you have to thread this perfect needle of being quote unquote believable. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, this movie's so good. I love it so much. I know. I know. <laughs> I also like the way that it talks about the objectification of women a little bit too there are these sort of subtle things that happen where like you know the first night that they're in the city they get picked up by a cabbie and the cabbie comments on how beautiful she is but you know he said it in a creepy way because the husband got mad i know (laughs) i know and the language learning tape that she's listening to the first thing Mm -hmm. that we hear a teacher is i'm Mm -hmm. a beautiful woman there's a work friend who says you know she's more beautiful than your husband described Mm-hmm. arena's ex who sort of seems nice but again feels you know entitled to her attention because he's really an ass the work party it's so clear when she's there that she's just meant to be arm candy for him you know 100 percent, 100 percent. what's interesting is that the women also don't translate both yes. times at the dinner and at the party you'd think yep. like there'd be no some ally. like sister solidarity Mm-mm. there the only nope. sistership she has is with arena yeah, Arena's awesome. Oh my god, I love Arena so much. And the, I know. Re- the reveal, as much as I love her though, that reveal when oh, she comes around the corner is I mean, it's just so well done though. Yeah, it's so well done. And when you realize that she was right to make them break into Arena's apartment, you know, mm-hmm. that it wasn't just a cat who broke up the lamp. He was in there at the time. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> so yep. good and so frustrating it's so and that's why the it's... ending is so cathartic too it really is we all know i hate a sucker punch ending mm-hmm. i hate a like wow she really showed them by dying <laughs> i freaking hate that yeah. so yeah. when i thought that was happening i was like no you're like my perfect movie <laughs> but instead she came back and it's again like she was an actress you know what i mean so she mm-hmm. knew how to perform this in a way that was at least convincing enough for him to to, to buy it yep. until he got distracted. Oh, that poor kid. She was almost in a world of hurt. <laughs> <laughs> but it's interesting that he basically got undermined by another watcher. It's yeah. Interesting. Yeah, exactly. Somebody else who's watching. A witness. Mm-hmm. I guess there's a difference between a witness and a watcher, right? Yeah. Hmm. Yes. Interesting. I don't know. I really like this movie. Yeah. Anything else you want to say? I mean, I know we have no cons. So we can go directly to recommendations. <laughs> but is there anything else we didn't um, touch on you wanted to talk about? You've got notes and notes over there. 
I just think that we needed that ending. Like you were saying, it was so cathartic because this movie is is so tense. I mean, I was on the edge of my seat the whole time. And you know what's interesting? I watched it again earlier today because we had mm-hmm. originally planned to record a couple weeks ago. And so it had been a little while since I've seen it. So I was like, I'm going to watch it again to refresh myself. And I thought to myself, I will write down notes for the synopsis as I'm watching. Totally forgot <laughs> to do it. Completely got it's, engrossed it, in the movie all over yeah. again. <laughs> Just pulled pulled right into this thing. Yeah. And I was still... That scene when on the subway, like by the time that happened, I was like my whole like every muscle in my body was like tense, you know, mm-hmm. even though I knew exactly what was going to happen. And when at the end she looks at her husband, it's quick and it's such subtle acting, but it's so effective that just like, like fuck, fuck you, I told you, you. so. Yeah. yeah. I'm realizing the thing I love the best is just like mm-hmm. a two hander scene between two actors who are just killing it. Yeah. It's like my favorite thing. Mm-hmm. When it happens, like I'm thinking of oh, Game of Thrones, R.I.P. Like I'm so bitter. <laughs> but I always think about those scenes between Arya and um, did you watch Game of Thrones or am I making references? Yeah. You have no- Okay. Yeah. I played the Game of Thrones stuff. Of course you did. Then. I'm sorry. <laughs> I've, I've seriously like in like have amnesia i I have blocked (laughs) it out but like tywin lannister and Arya stark those scenes Mm -hmm. those moments where you just have like two actors one-on-one just absolutely eating a scene is like my favorite thing yeah Uh it's so enjoyable to watch and you Uh get so locked in the moment when that happens you know yeah yeah no yeah this movie is great all right Final recommendations. Would you recommend people check out Watcher? <laughs> of course. Yes, watch this movie. The second I watched it, it immediately shot to like the top of almost to the tippy top of my It's know, gonna be really year. hard to do really our top hard. ten this year. This <laughs> year's so weird. It's low lows yes. and high highs. I know. I was looking at our doc and we have hardly any that are like in between. You no, know? they're either thumbs up or just like arrow down. Yep. <laughs> It's weird. And there's still like amazing things. I know. There's still come, a lot that so hasn't come out yet. It's going to be tough. I, I saw Black Phone. Oh, that's right. That comes out tomorrow on VOD. Oh, holy crap. Awesome. Let me know if we need some help. Okay. <laughs> because I want to know what you think because people are divided about it. And I'm like, I don't feel like this movie should be divisive. So maybe you'll see something oh, I didn't see. Oh, Because okay. some people are like, it's great. Some people are like, yeah. Eh. And I'm like, yeah. I don't huh. know what there isn't to like about this movie. It's very good. <laughs> it's very good. <laughs> I had a very good time. <laughs> what is people find some joy in your life? <laughs> is this your attempt at a Romanian accent? I don't know. I'm just doing a goofy voice. <laughs> Does it sound like a Romanian accent? I don't know. Now I'm trying to do one and I don't know what it sounds like. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know why I'm doing these weird accents tonight. I'm tired, I think. And I'm like, you know what's funny? How wacky accent. I don't know what's <laughs> happening. I don't know. Ariel, is this why people don't return my calls? Oh my <laughs> is it my personality? Is it the worst? <laughs> no, it's the best. What are you talking about? Goofy oh. Rachel is hilarious. Ugh, I know you were very sad you didn't get to experience drunk Rachel last yes. weekend. Well, Drunk don't Rachel worry. is so funny and gives lots of hugs. I love it. <laughs> I do get a lot of hugs when I'm drunk. But you get to get you get virtual drunk, uh, Rachel, in two weeks when we do our live show. 
Yes. That's you like true. my seamless plug here? I liked it. <laughs> nice job. <laughs> yes, for those patrons, if you are thinking about joining the Patreon, now is the time to strike because in two weeks we're going to be doing, yeah, today's the 14th, yeah, two weeks, we're going to be doing a live show, our Midsommar show. It's a theme, Not we're not actually covering the movie, but I will be drinking because life is terrible and I want to drink. <laughs> yep sounds about right (laughs) so i will definitely be drinking i will we will be on camera you'll get to watch it in the patreon you can watch it live or it'll live there so you can go check it out afterwards but if you watch it live you can interact with us while we're recording (laughs) you can ask us to do things while we're drunk (laughs) oh god (laughs) uh justin's gonna be there he has an idea he has plans i don't know what they are yet Mm, i like his surprises so they're always fun so i'm excited about that and of course all of your favorite zg gals will be in the house so yeah it's gonna be a lot of fun so you should definitely check that out we don't have any listener mail this time but if people want to get in touch with us and let us know what you thought of the movie or you have questions or suggestions of things you should think we should cover whatever the case may be you can always get a hold of us lots of different ways you can drop us an email at rachel at zombiegirls.com that's g-r-r-l-z.com or you can come and chat with us over on the zombie girls facebook page or you can follow and you should do this anyway because it's awesome you can follow us on twitter and instagram at zg podcast plural uh, where we have all kinds of really fun stuff up there. Ariel is an amazing social media director. Lots of really Aww, funny shucks. memes. We uh, when If you're curious, are women-directed horror films coming out this week? Guess what? We'll let you know when they drop, as well as lots of other content over there. So you should definitely be following us on uh, on social media, on t- at Twitter, and on Instagram. And if you're looking for something spooky to watch tonight, like for instance... If you hadn't been listening to the show and you're like, when is the black phone coming out? Well, baby, it's coming out this Friday, although it's going to be out by the time you hear this. But the point is, you would have known that already because you had looked <laughs> at our VOD and streaming calendar at zombiegirls.com. We'll keep track of all the spooky doings that are happening on all the streaming services and all the everything. You want to know about it. All right, cool. So merch, we have it. You want it. You can buy it at zombiegirls.com forward slash merch. I actually just bought some new merch myself this week. Got some new shirts. Some I, nice. my yep, my some of my ZG shirts were getting kind of ratty. So it was time <laughs> to replace. I also bought a really cute bloody good horse shirt. It's the one where the logo is pink because of I'm course. a girl and I like pink. You love pink. <laughs> I do love pink. Listen, let me yeah. embrace. I'm I am basic. Let me embrace it. I love pink. If I could, my it entire house would you, be pink. So. Well, thank you for saying that. <laughs> but I do have this fantasy where I have a room that is all pink, like pink furniture, pink oh, walls, pink everything. Cute like 1950s sort of like Ooh, that would be cool. Yeah. Right? And then it would like have different all my shades hats of pink. It. Yes. Yes. It'd be amazing. I mean, yeah, it's that not just cool. one monotone pink. It'd be, you know, a richness. <laughs> anyway, no one cares about my interior design, but you may want to hear about our Patreon because it's dope. As I said, we have a live show coming up. Don't want to miss that. If you join the Patreon, all of the episodes on the across the network are extended. So you get sweet, sweet extra content. Like, for instance, what are we doing today? We are going to be talking about Chloe Okuno's short films. 
That's right. We are completionists up on the More Deadly podcast. <laughs> Actually, I'm really excited to talk about them because they are both really interesting. And very different. Slut. And very yeah. different. <laughs> I will say, well, we'll get into that. Why am I giving the, 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 the who's going to buy the cow? Don't the milk for free, Rachel. The sweet, sweet milk. You got to buy it. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> yes. And what else? Anything else for the Patreon? Oh, you can join the Discord. You want to join the yeah. Discord. Discord's dope. Anyway, if you want to hear about all my wacky walks before I come on the show, join the Discord. <laughs> now I'm picturing different ways that you walk. You're like, this is the truffle shuffle. <laughs> this is the boot scoot. <laughs> <laughs> this is the Oswego boogie i don't know i'm <laughs> i'm trying here anyway uh i think that's enough for the plug and i guess that just leaves what we're doing on our next episode i picked this movie so guess what that means ariel yes. you get to pick the next one what are we watching oh shit i forgot it was my turn <laughs> ariel <laughs> i i can't remember if I've i am always so prepared i i never forget <laughs> anything so i am shocked and horrified at your behavior <laughs> horrified oh all right. Through the magic of editing, it's like you never forgot to do this. Ariel, what are we going to be watching on the next episode? <laughs> we are going to be watching She Will, which just yeah. came out. And it is directed by Charlotte Colbert. Mm. And it stars Alice Krieg, who is oh a zombie God. girl's fave. Love, love her. her. <laughs> Forever love the board queen. Yes. So this is about an aging film star who retreats to the Scottish countryside with her nurse to recover from surgery. While there, mysterious forces of revenge emerge from the land where witches were burned. Dude, so, this is going to be that so sounds cool. cool. Yeah. yeah. I've. This is one that is, I've really been looking forward to. Honestly, all of the, I mean, you can be misled by marketing. I get that. But sure. aesthetically, everything I've seen about yeah. this. From the first look images to the poster to the trailer. The poster is like, cool. Mm-hmm. It just like it looks cool, man. I really am looking forward to this one. And I, I like anything about witches. I do. Me too. Oh, Malcolm McDowell is in it too. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that could go a couple of ways. You know, fair, fair. It could be he can be amazing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is gonna be good though. I have very good feeling about this. I'm very Me excited too. to talk about this. We're gonna get oh and we'll get to do something witchy for the extended. That'll be fun. I have no idea what it'll be, but I'll figure something out. Okay. Awesome. All right. So unless people are sticking around for the extended episode, that is it for us this episode. Make sure you check out She Will. We'll be back in two weeks. Ariel, take us out. Yeah. Thanks, guys, for listening to another episode of More Deadly. I hope you liked our review of Watcher and that you have gone and watched it because it's amazing. Don't miss out. And if you're a patron, stick around so we can talk more about the wonderful Chloe Okuno and her amazing direction. And otherwise, we'll be back next time with a review of She Will. Bye, everybody. Bye, everybody. Thanks to everyone for listening. And thanks to my co-host, Ariel, who's always willing to come on here and geek out about horror with me. And finally, thanks to the women who make the horror films we love so much. Production of this episode was done by yours truly. Editing was done by Ariel Messman Rucker. And our theme song, More Deadly, was by Elizabeth Kyle and Eric Newell.
Hello, everyone, and welcome to the extended episode, aka More Deadly After Dark. And it really is after dark. We started sure this. Is. That there was a little <laughs> bit of sun. There was just like a, a whisper of sun left, and now it is dark, dark, dark. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. This is a long episode, <laughs> especially for us. Like usually, our episodes don't run that long, but we were fangirling yeah, out for concise. days. On more deadly, but <laughs> but this time we're just like, okay, yeah, he's up, okay, he's so good <laughs> <laughs> for two hours essentially. Oh my God. Although, it's to be honest, so good. whenever like uh, a director or someone like that likes one of our posts or something like that, I get nervous because I'm like, oh God, what did I say? Like, I get mm-hmm. like, like, yep. I want to be honest in my opinions and give my unvarnished opinions, like, in a way that is constructive always, but. At the same time, <laughs> I also yeah, because, forget that people might hear it. <laughs> yeah, and we've had the experience of a director listening to our podcast <laughs> when we were critical of something. And it's, yeah, it's always a little bit like, ah. Right. I don't want it to prevent me from being honest. No, of course not. But also, like, if Julio Kuno were to hear this episode, I would be fine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, not that I think she will, but like, it's just one of those things On where I'm like, uh, in this case, I'm such an anxious person. Girl, I'm not worried. I'm worried about being able to, that she wouldn't get for, through the first 20 minutes of me being a weirdo. But <laughs> the actual review, I feel That's comfortable That's the risk about. we always run on this podcast. Is like, didn't we yeah. turn people away by talking about weird shit at the top of there the show? There is a high, like, weirdo bar that you must traverse in order to get yes. to the reviews. So I would say feel free to cut liberally. Yes. <laughs> You're editing this because I was, I'm always a weirdo, but I feel like I would, I like uh, ascended to another ethereal plane of weirdoness <laughs> this time around. And I apologize to you and I apologize to the listeners and, and I you apologize to the American people, to my ancestors for the shame <laughs> that I have brought upon you. I apologize to uh, the, that, all the planets we saw in that new satellite footage like i <laughs> i understand uh-huh that i'm the worst oh <laughs> i am God. under no illusions <laughs> that i am a weirdo <laughs> you're the best the best Shush. kind of oh god so speaking of which i because i can never you know maintain my dignity for any extended period of time and i'm uh-huh. always willing to humiliate myself for, in the hopes of getting good content i have confessed <laughs> To the spider bonnet <gasps> on bloody good horror. <laughs> on bloody good horror yes <laughs> and i have made a promise that next time i record with them i shall arrive in the pre-show oh my god with the spider bonnet on <laughs> whoa i mean i've seen the spider bonnet but i've also slept over at your house a bunch of times so, <laughs> <laughs> so you can vouch for step. it <laughs> yeah i mean listen listen if i if i want to be the change i want to see in the world right uh-huh. like if i can destigmatize spotter <laughs> spider, spider bonnets for one person <laughs> for one person i will have done my duty i will oh have gosh. yeah i will have fulfilled my purpose <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah. Eric, I didn't get a chance to watch the live show. I cannot wait to hear everybody's reaction. <laughs> you Are you going to listen to the episode? Hell yes. Oh, okay. I would never, I'm always shocked when people listen to anything I do. Oh, which is, too. as a content creator, probably not the energy you want to bring into the world. Like, 
I made this, but don't listen to it though. It's it's bad. You don't right, right. Don't, yeah. It's a waste of your time. <laughs> I have no expectation that you would ever deign. I know it's like garbage. I'm always surprised people listen, and I'm always surprised that people pay attention to things that I say. If anybody ever comments on it, or like, I forget how much of myself I have shared over the years because <laughs> uh-huh. it comes in little bits and pieces and then yeah. you realize like oh no somebody listens to everything like yeah like if uh... you think about like old school listeners like Doug or oh uh, Eddie or you know what I mean like people who've yes. been with us back also back in the day when we were like real like probably even more open I don't know are do you think we're more open now or more open then like if you mm, think about back to those question. like early episodes, I have like have we gotten too comfortable? <laughs> yeah, I, know, I think right? that's the problem. I think I'm too comfortable talking with you now. Yeah, and I sometimes forget there's a microphone in front of me, and yeah. then we're not just like talking, you know? Yeah, yeah. And so then I share more than I probably would otherwise. Yeah, and I also am such a sucker for a laugh. Like I will say anything right. if it will make people. I mean, within <laughs> reason. Like I will say to make I will say things that were I'm the butt of, I will say there is no limit to the like butt of the joke that I will make myself mm-hmm. if I think I will get a laugh. And then <laughs> in that instant gratification, I forget that I have just told on myself. Right. right. Yes. <laughs> I do that all the time. And then you're like, oh God. <laughs> and even though I edit it, sometimes you can't even edit it out because we'll reference it throughout the whole episode. Yeah. <laughs> you can't even remove it. I'm not going to lie. I definitely have done that on purpose as a fail <laughs> before when I'm like, it ain't getting cut now. 